uh, in 1 Kings, but we will be making our way to Daniel 9 if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, and we'll be looking there and, and a little bit in Ephesians 2 in just a few minutes. But, you know, it's kind of a, a amazing, you know, the, how that happens. Uh, and I believe it's the Spirit works. And, you know, we have the, the statements by Rick this morning and then, of course, the songs that Josh has led. Uh, pointing us towards the sovereignty of God and a God who has made it clear through His Son and through His Spirit that He will never forsake us, uh, even though uh, He has plenty of reasons to do just that. Uh, you know, there are things that we, I do that I know that I'm doing that, that is not righteous, and then there are things that I do that I don't know in ignorance, right? And, and uh, you know, sometimes we come to that realization, wow, you know, I, I really did have that. And I think that in the moments that we are uh, currently in our world today, it's important for us to be open to that. Our tendency is to just go with what we perceive and our perspective and what we view as truth, but it's very important for us to be open and at least hearing and learning, and I think the point there and what Rick talked about in our song service is those people that are around us, right? I, I can't, you know, I don't have the authority nor that I want the authority to really affect outside of the ability to vote to affect large policy, right? We all have a voice, and obviously I'm going to encourage you. I believe the Apostle Paul, had he had, had that voice, he would have used it. I, I think that he would have used anything in his power to further the truth of God. But Paul understood that the most impact that he could have would be on those people around him. Sometimes I think about when Paul was under house arrest, right? That the best part of Paul's day is that every so often he'd get a new guard, right? And you know what he talked to that guard about, right? Probably not politics. It was probably about Jesus and the power of his salvation. And You know, I think about how maybe receiving that news and how he received the news that, hey, you're going to be under house arrest and you're going to be guarded, you know, where most of us would probably be like, uh-uh, I hate this, we're going to fight it. He just kind of probably looked at it as, hey, I got a new audience every few hours to talk about Jesus, right? We see that. We see that. That's not a far-off thought. It's in Scripture, in the book of Acts, right? Uh, you, you have this jailer who, you know, this earthquake happens and you know, he's about to kill himself, right? Because the, the penalty for losing a, a prisoner that you're guarding is death. And Paul, hey, we're all here. We're all here. And he's able to teach him. And so I think we really need to be looking for that opportunity to be a part of educating. And, and really how we should see most problems, if not all problems, is an ability to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I fully believe that God is powerful enough to use the situation and circumstances that we're in. Regardless of how that is on an individual or a large basis, He can use it to reconcile people to Him. Because what have we seen throughout history God do? Exactly that. In 1 Kings chapter 9, we see a promise of a covenant. They've entered into this covenant with God. The temple has been built and everyone's... Uh, glorifying in the, the temple being built. The Spirit of God is going to enter the temple. But God also has some warnings involved. And He says, you know, if you go out and you act like the world and you worship other gods and you forsake me, then there are going to be some penalties that you're going to inquire. Now, understand, this is not God forsaking them. In fact, it's really His discipline, right? It's His discipline. 
It's, it's a reminder. If it gets to the point where you need a stiff reminder, I love you enough to give you that stiff reminder. Right? I can't tell you how many times over the last week I've had to tell my son, Son, I love you. I hate disciplining you. This is not my favorite part of this. But I love you too much to let you continue in what you're doing. Just because we love someone does not mean that sometimes harsh truth doesn't have to be administered. Now the beauty of that is, is when we have a relationship with a person, we tend to know how to get to them. I've coached a lot of people in my time here at Riverside. And each individual, almost each individual has to have a different approach to reach them. Right? I can't treat this one, the, you know, everybody, well, we all need to be treated the same. Are, are we serious? I, I mean, have you lived any life at all? Right? It's different. Now, there are some things that apply and work, but sometimes they don't. And so we have to understand that God here is speaking, that, that He knows what's coming down the pike, right? It's, it's not that he, doesn't, he only knows what's in the past. We know a lot of things about the past. Although there are a lot of people out there who would like to change the way we see the past and change our perspective and muddy the waters... But we certainly barely know what's going on right now. We don't even know what's going to happen in the next five seconds. We've got a general idea. But then you get past that and it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. But God does. And it's the same God who says, I will never forsake you and never leave you. There are times, I'm sure, in the Israelite history where they might have just preferred that God had forsaken them. (laughs) Leave us alone. Right, and, and what we're experiencing in Daniel is one of those situations where I would, you know, it's that balance sometimes, right? Sometimes we make that decision as human beings. Is it worth being with this person to put up with the difficulties of it, right? In fact, if you've been married and are married, you make that decision every day, right? You, you go into it, maybe today was a really good day for a relationship. Maybe today wasn't. But we'll go to bed, we'll wake up, and we'll start over tomorrow. Right? We, we look to that, that new mercies every day. And so in 1 Kings 9, he, he starts here in, in verse 7, which is the focus of what I want to talk about here in this passage. 1 Kings 9, it starts there in verse 6 about abandoning me, right? Verse 6, but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the command. So notice what? Who's doing the abandonment? Right? We want to look at God and go... Why are you doing this? And then we need to ask our questions to ourselves. Have we abandoned what God has taught us? Are we trying to skip out on a relationship with Him? And as it says in Scripture, He is a jealous God. He, he doesn't, he's not going to just let us skip out that easily. He's going to do whatever is in His power to reveal Himself to us. And sometimes that hurts. In fact, I'll say a lot of times, that hurts. Right? And so think about Egypt. He says, when you have abandoned me, disobeyed my commands and decrees I've given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will, here's the phrase, this is New Living Translation, uproot Israel from this land. Right? So here are all the, here's the, the steps that I'm willing to go to because I love you so much. Right? And that's hard for us. We live in a society that un- inundates us with the fact that if you love somebody, you just let them do whatever they want to do. You just let them run rampant and say, do whatever they want to do. Right? If you love it, you've got to let it go. 
right? And God says, I love you too much to leave you. And, and basically, this is the whole understanding of the prophets that we've been studying over the last few years. So I, I'll uproot you, I'll take things away from you to get your attention, and I will drive as hard as I can until you come back to me. And so we pick up in Daniel chapter 9. Just want to look at a few passages there. Verses 7 through 11 in Daniel 9. First of all, we have to notice that Daniel is, is upset, right? He's, he's, maybe we might say, tore up from the floor up, right? He, he's, he's on his face. He is sad. You know, sad is an understatement. He is ready for Israel to go home. He's ready for this suffering to end. And we think about a couple of weeks as kind of suffering and sacrificing. And we're talking about years and we're talking about decades, right? And we know people who've suffered for decades with things. We, maybe we don't know people. Maybe some people just suffer with it and no one would ever know that they're dealing with those things. And I think that's something we should always remind ourselves when we jump to conclusions, right? We do not know what a person's last 10 minutes were what their last 24 hours were, what their last 20 years were. We don't know that going in. And so it's so important for us to be open and available to what is going on. No matter, and there's people out there who are stubborn. They don't want to let you know. But the important thing for us to know is that God knows, regardless of if we want Him to know or not. And so the flip side of that is, is when somebody comes into our life and presents a truth that maybe we're not so ready for, maybe, just maybe, even if it's a heathen unbeliever, could God be using this person to get my attention, to make me more available, to to soften my heart a little bit, right? I don't know that Pharaoh, when Moses showed up, he was in the business of listening to shepherds and outlaws, right? In fact, we know he wasn't but we know that guy was trying to deliver a message. And so, are we open? Are we available to God's truth, even when it comes in unconventional ways? Verse 7, Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of your disloyalty. And over and over again, I think of the tax collector, right? Lord, who wouldn't even lift up his eyes, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? I've I've made that the passage of my Facebook profile and my Twitter profile. That's the first thing you see, Lord, be merciful, because I want to see it. I want to be put in my place. I want to be where I need to be. And really, in everything that I come into, that's where I'm coming from. I don't deserve what God has given me. And so Daniel, making this intercessory prayer that is so similar to Jesus before he goes to the cross, and praying, I'm so ready for your kingdom to come. I'm ready to go home. And depending on how our days go, there are days where we say, I'm ready to go home. If you come back, and I want to be the point where I want him to come back so bad, but the only reason I... I kind of want him to put off is because there are so many that don't know him. And so that's that, that tug, it's that friction that's in our lives, right? It's that, man, I want to go home, but there's so many people that could be reached. How can I use my social media today to reach me? How can I use this 
technology in my hand that is more advanced than the first rocket that went into space? How can I use that today to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's simply reaching out to someone on Father's Day that maybe we haven't reached out to and saying, man, I just want you to know, happy Father's Day, and there's a Father in heaven who loves you, right? There's somebody who appreciates you. I appreciate you. I'm thinking of you. It can be as simple as that. And so we notice he's prostrate. Verse 17 through 19. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake. Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. What's he, what's he now flipped it over to, right? He says it's not just because I want to go home. It's because people mock your name. And I am so tired of hearing people discredit you. Discredit you. Daniel says that, but he also remains steadfast in who is the God of the universe. Right? God is not mocked. He is not slack in keeping His promises. He will return. And justice, a justice that we can't even really wrap our minds around in our feeble definition of justice, will be served. Will be served. You know, I I wouldn't wish hell on anybody, anybody in history. Now, I firmly believe there will be people who will be punished for hell for eternity. But that's not something I should want for anyone. But it's coming. And so once again, there's that level of friction, right? Daniel says, I'm tired. I want you to come back and I want you to set these Babylonians, these Medes, these Persians in Jesus' day. They wanted to come back, set these Romans straight. This Caesar claims to be the Son of God. I'm ready for you to come back. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't fight the same way that these other kingdoms fight. We change the hearts of men. We change the hearts, which is more difficult. Is it easier to kill a man or change him? I think we know the answer to that. We're fragile. Our bodies are fragile. They break down. If we've not been reminded that, if you don't see that pretty straightforward over the last few months, you know, then I don't know if you'll ever see it. But to change the hearts and minds of men, to transform them, is a much more difficult, and really we know that it's only through the power of the Spirit of God that that happens. And so he begins to plead with them about his name. Verses 24 through 27, and I'll let you read that on your own time, but it's a, it's a prophecy, and as you can imagine on prophecies, there's a ton of debate, and you can go down that Google rabbit hole all you want. I don't have time for it as I'm running out of time as we speak, Right? And some of y'all can care less about 150-something A.D., B.C. You don't care about that stuff, right? I'm just the big Bible nerd. I'm just going to run through it real quick. There's a couple of options here. Uh, option A is, once again, last week we talked about Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth, right? That big, wonderful name. And he, the anointed one, could possibly be the high priest during his day. Anointed one is not always Jesus. In fact, it's David. Anybody who was a high priest or king in the Old Testament was anointed, chosen by God. And so Ananias III is sacrificed. He's killed by Antiochus Epiphanes. He sacrifices uh, uh, unclean animals on the Holy of Holies. He sets up a statue, right? Things that we like to talk about these days. He sets up a statue of Zeus, 
there on the temple grounds and uh, revolt happens, right? The Maccabees revolt. Uh, they're able to regain the temple for a little while, right? And then option B has two underset options. They have to do with Jesus, that Jesus is the anointed one, that he comes. And obviously we know that he's sacrificed. He's, he's killed, or not killed, but he's hung on the cross and he dies on the cross for our sins. And some believe that the 70 times 7, the weeks here, uh, we're living in that day and age of the 70th, right? Because Jesus was like the 69th, and then the error since him is when we're living, right? And then option B is the destruction of the temple, that in 70 AD all of this was fulfilled, right? That the, that the temple of God was destroyed. But over and over again, what God's trying to get his people to understand is, is I am not nailed down to a specific place, right? The temple's destruction does not change who God is and where he's always been. And how encouraging that would have been for the people in Babylon, right? How encouraging it must have been for Daniel to know that, hey, the temple's destroyed, and that's terrible. That's awful. But that's not changed who sit on the throne. But then multiply that by the fact that we live in a day and age where God not only lives everywhere out here, but He lives in here as well. And that's why Romans 8 says, there's my Romans 8, Romans 8 says that all things, right, work to the good of those who love the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that's hard to see today. There's a lot of chaos and a lot of crazy going on. I mean, crazy pandemic, right? Even more than coronavirus, crazy has broken out. It seems to be everywhere. And yet Romans 8 reminds us because of the power of the Spirit that those things all work to good for those that love the Lord. Now, good is, a, is an interesting definition, right? Because what I deem as good may not be what God deems as good. Right? Uh, what God deems as good, in fact, Jesus says that I, I will glory the Father. How? How does God, Jesus, glorify the Father? By being exalted on a cross. By humbling Himself and being lifted on a cross. But we know that at the end of the day, whether I see tomorrow or not, that all those things can work for the betterment of those who love God. Very quickly, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And I want you to go back to the thought of being uprooted. Uprooted sounds really bad and has a negative connotation, I believe, in 1 Kings 9. But in Ephesians chapter 2, being uprooted, being lifted up above all the chaos, right? Paul says it's a, a peace that passeth understanding. It's, it's like, yes, physically I am present and I am available for those who are hurting, but spiritually I'm above the chaos, almost like a lighthouse. It's chaotic ocean disorder out here. But because I'm focused on things that are above... My, my spirituality, my mind, my attitude is above the noise, then I can have this peace that passeth understanding. I don't have to be right in everything because God has made me righteous. Right? I don't know about you, but I take a lot of solace in that. Because I've, I've received a lot of blowback from both sides, right? You know? But I, I come to a lot of... Uh, 
comfort in the fact that there's a lot of people that get blowback from both sides, right? Prime example, Jesus. Sadducees didn't like him. Pharisees didn't like him. Now, the problem with that is those people usually die, right? They usually become martyrs because nobody likes them. Nobody's going to stand up for them. But in Jesus, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, in fact, you're helping me out to some degree. In Ephesians chapter 2, very quickly, verses 1 through 7, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Think about how many people today are following the course. Whatever CNN says, whatever Fox News says, that's the gospel truth. We know that's not true. There's, There's probably truth, a little bit of truth in both. There's probably some middle ground there, although they're not going to let you get there. But we don't walk in that way anymore. Every time the breeze blows, we don't. We've got a foundation that is firm. Think about it in terms of the rich man or the wise man and the foolish man at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Think about them as we read the rest of this text. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace. I want you to think about the biggest measurement that you can think of. And Paul here says, His grace cannot be measured. It's a lot of grace. And we as believers have received that grace. And we live from that grace. And hopefully we live so much from the grace that the light of that grace just busts out of every orifice we got. That people just see that grace and that light and that truth, that unshakable kingdom that we live for, even in the midst of chaos. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. Let's let's let that soak in. And this is not your doing but is the gift of God, right? It's Father's Day. It's supposed to get your daddy something, right? I do think it's hilarious, you know. Mama's Day rolls around $3,000 diamond commercial. Dad rolls around $10 cargo pants, right? And, and you know what? We'd be happy with them cargo pants, right? We would. It's great. But you're supposed to get your dad something on Father's Day, right? It's not really a, a gift, is it? It's not really a gift. That's the whole point. It says God has given you so much that you could never buy on your own and you certainly don't deserve. It's a grace, a gift. How are we using that gift? Do we use that gift to make other people feel lower than us? Because that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Or do we use that gift to show the love of God? The rich man, or the wise man and the foolish man, one's house stood. And it was the one who heard the word of God and did it and obeyed it. 
right? It's not really doing it because we wouldn't know how to do it. We wouldn't know how to build that house if God hadn't told us. But it's obeying it. Simple. Simple is not always easy. But simple obedience. I want to be at the center of your will. This morning, if there's any way that we can help you, I appreciate you putting up with me week in, week out. I feel so inadequate uh, but I got a lot of enthusiasm, and hopefully that covers a multitude of sins. And, and that love that I have for you, I hope that's the same. In 1 Kings 9, 9, it says, Because his people abandoned the Lord their God and worshipped other gods. What are you worshiping this morning? Well, Travis, I'm here. I mean, obviously, and I'm worshiping God. And that's important. But who are you going to worship when you leave here? Who are you going to worship tomorrow and the next day and the day after that? It's an everyday decision of living from the gift that you can never repay, that you don't deserve, a true definition of a gift. This morning, if there's any way that we can help you, that we can love on you, that we can lift you up, that we can encourage you, whatever that may look like, it may be simple, hi, how are you? It may be a fist bump. Maybe you're okay with a hug. We, we can handle that too. Uh, maybe it's simple, hey, I, I just can't handle my grass. I need somebody to come help me. Or I got a plumbing issue or whatever. I'm sure there's somebody. You don't want me fixing it. But I'm sure there's somebody we can put you in connection with that would love nothing more than to bless you that way. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and sing.